Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about magic, creativity, the tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I'm so happy you're here. Hi, welcome. Here you are, here I am. I'm so stoked you're here. If you have never listened to this podcast before, I'm so glad that you decided to listen. This is a podcast for the critical magical thinker where we discuss life through the lens of mysticism and the spiritual and the creative and the lunar. My name is Sarah Faith Godestiner. I'm an artist, an author, I'm a business owner, I live in Los Angeles, and I read tarot. I've been a professional tarot reader since 2011. I've studied the cards and practiced doing readings on folks since 2014, and that's a lot of time spent with the tarot, basically. I've had the honor of giving thousands of readings, and that's where I've learned the most about what I know about the cards, honestly. The way to learn the tarot is by spending time with tarot, by coming up with your own interpretations, and by noticing what is going on in your life when certain cards come up for you. And there's no way I would have learned tarot by only reading about it in books or just listening to podcasts. Fun fact, there weren't podcasts around when I was learning tarot. Maybe there was, I just wasn't listening. It was a long time ago. Your options were you read books, you gave readings, you hung out with the cards, you spent time with them, you journaled with them, you listened to them. And maybe once in a while, there was a class that you took, but there weren't really a lot of resources out there. I wanted to share a story about when I began reading professionally and how I did so. Like I said, I'd been studying the cards. I'd been giving readings for about seven years, and I decided to take a couple of tarot classes. Some of, I think, the first that I've ever taken, and the last, actually. I took two separate classes on the tarot, and I already knew everything that was being presented, not to sound you know, snooty booty, but I already knew it. The classes were great, of course, but it was just information I already possessed. And within that same time period, I got asked to read at a benefit for an arts org. And one of the people there became one of my clients. And I gave her a reading a few months after that initial reading. And she said to me, you know, I've gotten readings from many different people and you really are one of the best readers I've ever gone to. And I, and I think you should do this. And I did. Being a tarot reader was not anything I planned on or even wanted to do really. It was just something I was really good at. It was a language that I instantly understood. Maybe you have things like that. Languages, you're like, oh yes, I, I get this. And you, and you love it. And it's fascinating to you. But it wasn't really a plan in my life. It was definitely a surprise. 
So here we are, many, many years later. We're here at today's episode, which is a deep dive on the Five of Wands. And I felt called to start with that share about my tarot reading beginnings because it's very wandy in the sense that the wands are the suit of taking action and will and living life and receiving spiritual growth through experiences. And it's about how we channel our energy and confidence and how we find our sparks and our flame, really. It also, for me, all the suits have to do with relationships because we're relational. There's no way that we can live in the world without relating to one another. And to me, wands, and particularly five of wands, highlight relationships. And it, if it wasn't for other people believing in me and encouraging me to take my skills as a tarot reader seriously, I wouldn't have done it. So that's very five of wands. Five of wands illustrates that truly we learn by doing through experiences. And sometimes you have to just do it to see what is going to happen. And so those of you who've been listening to this podcast for a while know I've been doing longer episodes on the cards that correspond to the number of the year we're in. And so we're in a five year. So here I am covering all the fives. The five of pentacles was last season, which was one of the most downloaded episodes I've ever made. So if you haven't listened to that one, check it out. A few weeks ago, I covered the five of swords, every bunny's favorite card to pull. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's not, which is why I really tried to release a robust, rich episode on it to help y'all out. And now here we are. We're at the five of wands. Let's dig in, shall we? The Five of Wands is a minor arcana card, which traditionally is thought of, well, minor, right? It's not as important as the majors. And I'm going to encourage all of us to get rid of that idea, first of all. The minors existed first as playing cards and as a game. You can see it in our playing cards. There's hearts, there's clubs. What else is there? Of course, I'm drawing a blank now. I should have looked it up ahead of time, but I'm just riffing here. But those playing cards correspond to the suits, like the hearts or cups. This game was of the people, and these suits are cards of the people. The miners, when they show up in a spread, are usually illustrations of how the energy of the majors are going to play out. They are these temporary situations 
And like, let's be real. Sometimes they're a year long temporary situation. It's not just for a day or for a week. It could be for a much longer time period, but they are temporary and they're helping us to learn the larger lesson of any of the majors that show up in the spread or any of the major arcana themes we intuitively feel like we're learning, whether it's the major arcana themes of the year or your soul card or your card of the year or the major arcana cards you keep pulling, right? Like that will happen a lot. We'll have repeats. The minors help us learn that lesson. They help us grow so that we can transform and we can make changes. I'll give an example of what I'm talking about because I can already tell some of y'all are like, Hmm, emoji, you know, with the the little man with his the little person. Emojis don't have gender, do they? Little person with their head to the side, you know, they're they're like, hmm, what? All right. Let's say you're in a period of your life where one of the bigger lessons, one of the reprogramming things you're working on is around self-love, true self-love. You're really, really, really trying to love and accept yourself more, encounter yourself with compassion. We've all got to do it. And here you are. This is what you're you're trying to do. So you've been really conscious of being vulnerable and understanding what your needs are and communicating those needs. And so you have a moment with a good friend where you let them know your feelings were hurt over something they did or didn't do. And your friend receives it. They apologize and they thank you. They thank you. They're like, Hey, thanks for letting me know. And it's a great experience. That moment is the minor arcana of the self-love. The self-love is the major arcana. And so if we want to bring tarot cards into the mix, of course, maybe the theme of self-love might be empress or the lovers. And the minor arcana, that moment with your friend, could be the two of cups or three of cups maybe, or even the six of cups, especially if when you were a child or if in your first intimate relationships, you weren't taught that it was safe to be vulnerable and to tell people what your needs were. See how that works? I hope that clears things up for you. And of course, there's so many other cards that we could pull into this mix about love and self-love. I'm not going to. We would be here all day. But maybe you want to play that game. Maybe you want to be like, okay, what's my big thing that I'm working on? Maybe it's like your sexuality or money stuff or friend stuff whatever, like what are the tarot cards that correspond with that? Like, think about that. So I think the minors are not so minor. I think they're so not minor that I teach a class on them only. It's called elemental intuition. It might make an appearance again. Who knows? It's been a while, but the point is, and I do have one, I hope that we can rethink hierarchies in the tarot altogether as we rethink the tarot itself, which is another five of wands theme. When we're talking about the tarot and how we come to make meaning of it 
it's important to think about where the systems started and where these meanings originated. And we know in general, it's it originated in Europe, although it probably came from other places, presumably. And a lot of what we've learned about tarot in, say, the last 30 to 40 years has been deeply influenced by the realm of psychology and the Kabbalah, but that was sort of longer ago. All like these readers that talk about psychology and self-inquiry and tarot for self-development and self-care and all of that jazz, they're influenced by Rachel Pollack, Mary Kay Greer, Sally Nichols, among many, many others. Anytime you've heard a tarot reader speak about this self-help, like this non-divinatory, right? Not using the cards for prediction about these archetypes as metaphors for meaning, about fusing psychology with the cards, including myself. That's directly as a result of the scholars I've named here and many others. None of it is new. There's simply been a resurgence around the interest in tarot, which happens every decade or every few decades, like everything, and especially everything spiritual. It never goes away, right? Like the media just picks up on it and then it feels like they've discovered something new and it's a whole new thing. And my babes, it's been around. We've been around. And obviously divination and interpretation through symbol and images or dreams have been around since the days of the cave paintings. It's what humans do. We make meaning. I wanted to just name also something that's been on my mind for the last, oh, I don't know, five years or something. Those tarot scholars that I named, of course, a lot of them were influenced by what was happening in the New Age or the occult at the time, like the 60s through the 80s. And that was an emphasis on the teachings of people like the Golden Dawn, Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, and to kind of a smaller extent, but also there, Hodorowsky. And the fact is, all of these are people I don't agree with. All of these people have very misogynistic and racist views and worse that I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to put a content warning on here, but you could just do your, do your due diligence. And because they held misogynistic, violent, racist views, that means their teachings and their philosophies do as well. A lot of their concepts were stolen from other cultures. They already existed and then they were flattened down into consumption for the West. Quite frankly, they were diluted. The Kabbalah is majorly diluted, for instance. So we really have the opportunity to unpack the ideas we've been presented by Western spirituality, the Western occult, about what we, in quotes, should be doing or striving for as also putting in quotes, spiritual people, like how we get there, what we do, and even what the meaning of life is really, you know? And I think this is really important to name because we're in this hierophant year and we have to remember that these philosophies and these concepts that we have accepted as gospel or as infallible They were created by people, just like religion is. Religion is created by people, not God. 
these thinkers, these men I named, they were not perfect demigods. Anyway, aren't demigods not perfect? Anyway, moving right along. They were thinkers and writers that were of their time. And that is not our time. I'm not saying they weren't brilliant, by the way. I quote Young and Campbell in my book. I agree with some of what they present. And I think it's important at the bare minimum to understand their influence on the occult and psychology, as well as popular culture. And we get to remember that we're people too, and we have brilliant ideas, and we get to experiment with them and present them. A lot of the time, what separates those who get to speak and influence others from those who don't get to do so is privilege. Why am I talking about this? You're like, come on, I thought I was going to hear about the Five of Wands. We are, we are. I know you're wondering though. It has a lot to do with the Five of Wands because Five of Wands is a very punk rock card. It's very much about going against the grain. And fives in general are about disruption. They are about growth disguised as challenge as a challenge. Questioning why we think what we think. It's totally five of swords territory for sure. It's also wands territory because like I said, the wands are experiential. It's what we are learning in our own lives through encounters, through taking action, through doing. And that often has as much influence as anything we've learned in a book or in school or from another person. The Hierophant, which corresponds to the fives, as we've talked about like nine trillion times on this show, is about dismantling the systems we've been abiding by that aren't true to us. And so we've got this punk rock five of wands asking why, wanting to throw a wrench in the system, wanting it not to be business as usual, ready to create something different. The five of wands helps us to take action around disrupting calcified ideas we've had about ourselves or the world, or even a practice or a study we've had for a long time, like tarot, and transforming it. So this is a great card that indicates dropping what you know, that asks us to question and to experience things in different ways, like to hop inside of the pulse of life and try it your way, not the ways you were told you had to do something, and certainly not in the ways of racist, misogynist folks who like, I don't know, wouldn't even take your full humanity into account if you were in front of them, possibly? Like, how does that make sense? It doesn't. So when the five of wands appears, it's almost always an indicator. It's time to shake things up, take different actions, think about different ways of creating, different ways of building, different ways of relating and collaborating because the way you've been doing things isn't working. And to get to a new level, you have to do something you haven't done before. 
first and foremost, the Five of Wands is an indicator that our energy is not being run in a way that is serving our spirit, our soul, and where we need to go, what we want to do. Our energy's in a tangle. It's tied up any number of reasons. This could be external. It often is with this card in particular. Certain relationships could be distracting you. People could be getting on your nerves, your last nerve. There could be power plays afoot. You know, as y'all know, I live in Los Angeles and a lot of my clients are in the industry and it is like a wands party a lot of the time when I'm reading for them because wands is also thought to be the suit of the ego and navigating other people's egos can often be a full-time job. I mean, navigating our egos are practically a full-time job. And this card illustrates a moment when this is really flared up and there's an energy imbalance. So we've got to get a different perspective. We've, we've got to pull back and we've got to see where our energy is getting hooked, where our energy is getting enmeshed, how we are running our energy in ways that deplete us. And if we are in scenarios that deplete us, we've got to figure out an exit plan and or we've got to work smarter, not harder. And like, what is an energetic imbalance? I think of it as when our energy is not a closed loop, when we are not receiving as much as we are giving out. When the energy that is going into something does not give us back an amount that allows us to feel in balance. We want to be receiving as much as we're giving. And that can look any number of ways. It can also happen when we have outgrown our habits, our surroundings, our desires. Like a lot of us are dealing with this now. We're in lives that got created and they were the desires of something we wanted maybe five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, maybe even a year ago. We grow and we change so much. We've got to really check in with ourselves to see like, okay, if I'm feeling out of sorts, is this because I have grown past I've outgrown my situation. I've learned all I could. Um, I feel stagnant or I want to learn or I've become someone different. That's a big one. We've outgrown ourselves, our identity. We're in situations where people are not seeing us as who we want to be because we don't have the space or the surroundings to express ourselves. Whatever it is, you know, our routines, maybe we've come to some level of expertise and now we want to try something different. There are so many reasons for our energy being out of whack. When we reach creative burnout, this can be because we're giving more than we're letting ourselves receive or the energy coming back to us does not match the quality 
of the energy we're putting out. We really want to think about quality and we really want to think about frequency when we're talking about energy. And there can often be an energetic imbalance when we don't have a relationship with our energy, when we are unaware of how our energy gets sucked away or what makes our energy flow in ways that feel good or that lights our spark. We might be needing to reconnect with our energy, with keeping our energy intact, keeping our energetic field clear and keeping our energy protected. In season one, I do at least one episode on like energetic boundaries, like in protection magic. I'll try to link that in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that. But the wands are about the spark of our creativity, the spark of our spirit. And when we don't know what makes us feel good or when we ignore our body, when we're exhausted or in pain, that's also where the systemic nature of the fives come in. And I've spoken about this so frequently, so I won't speak about it again, but the fives can also be about where the personal is political and how we're influenced by the systems around us. Because being able to rest, it's a privilege. A lot of us have to power through so-called. I'm putting quotes around this, by the way. Have you heard that? Like I've heard that. We have to get certain things done. We don't have a choice. A lot of us don't. But what we do have a choice around is how we do the thing, how we're holding our energy, how gentle we're being with ourselves, where we tend to overexert our energy and then get depleted and exhausted. Because let's be real, the vast majority of us raising hand, have to deal with things or people we don't want to or that compromise our energy in some way. And that's where the system shows up so strongly in the fives. This is where we also have to unpack our internalized ableism, parse out what is ours, what is the system, what do we have control over, what what can we address, like where is that cop living in our head Where is that enforcer and how do we untangle those knots? You know, for me, I've had to really untangle stuff. I'm still untangling stuff around worth and working really hard. This idea that it's not worth it or something's not worth doing if it's really difficult and you've poured all your energy out and you're depleted and you're tired and you might even have to recover for a day or two after a really long kind of work week. Like maybe it's, I'm I'm sharing this, hopefully it's not just me. I'm really trying to untangle that. It is so deep. It's definitely ancestral. It's definitely in my bones and it's definitely linked to survival and ableism as well. And a bunch of other things I won't get into. So that can be sometimes where this shows up, this kind of thing. The five of wands is about untangling and dismantling. And it's also about rebuilding our concept of self, weaving together our concept of self 
aka our identity and our relationship with that, our energy, our energetic imprints, our energetic habits, how we run our energy, and our belonging. Wands are about belonging. Yes, all the cards can be about belonging. What really changed something for me when spending time with the wands, because the wands is my heart, my personal hardest suit to connect to personally. The wands also are about belonging to the self and belonging to the world and the relationships we devote ourselves to. Yes, the cups fall in there. Yes, that's pentacles energy too. And also when I kind of connected to that more, dare I say, tender side of the wands, it started clicking things into place for me because wands is fire. It's about how we tend to our fire and fire keeps us warm. Fire helps us see. Fire helps us live in comfort. The five of wands is a struggle to get that fire lit. There's that friction. We're trying so hard, but something's not catching. Something's not getting lit. There's a struggle. And part of the process of the five of wands is figuring out why. And the irony that lives inside of this card is that we could be so exhausted, we don't have the energy to figure out why. Or we can feel like we're just in between a rock and a hard place, and we have to, in quote, like put our head down and just get through it. If you've ever heard yourself saying, I've just got to get through the next week, but it's like every week, or you catch yourself telling a friend, hey, let's catch up in a few months when I'm less crunchy, but like this is like what you're always saying like all the time, you're probably in five of wands energy and it's time to look at what's going on underneath that. Because as we progress through the suit of wands, our energy starts to reach this very critical moment of burnout when we get to the nine and the 10, where like we're forced to have to look at our energetic depletions. And the fives can be about rearranging our energy in a way that isn't so intense. It's like that little warning signal like, hey, okay, some things aren't working here. Let's rearrange stuff. Let's rearrange and reorganize the closet instead of what is it like the hanger or like the, the pole in the closet and like everything falls down and you're like under this pile of clothes and you're just like, ah, right. It's like that difference. You're like, you know what? I'm going to, my, my closet's kind of full. I'm going to take my clothes out. It's like, we get this choice in the five of wands, even though it doesn't always feel like a choice and it can be subtle. We might not even notice because it feels so familiar we're like, oh, we're here again, or oh, I'm always busier. Oh, I'd, I'll just put some duct tape on this and a paper clip and call it a day, like I always do, right? If I if I bang the printer a couple times, we'll get it to work, right? It's like that kind of feeling. It can be if it's if it's smaller and more subtle, but it could be kind of like with your life. There also could be distractions happening. A distraction could just be a petty argument with a roommate 
or someone on the internet. The distraction could be self-sabotaging yourself in some way, or like I said, overworking, doing too much, or ignoring an aspect of your life for long enough until something erupts, until there is a fight or some kind of breakdown or larger rift or larger disruption. The thing is, we can't really ignore a five. I mean, we can, like you, but you've got to have a strong habit of denial. You've got to be really good. If you can do that, teach me your ways. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. We're, we don't want to do that. We want to confront. <laughs> we want to be present, but you can't really ignore a five. I've spoken about the fives as really being this site where we are asked to look at these core wounds and to heal them. And that often comes up in instances where there is either a situation that is a symbol of that core wound. So our core wound is getting very activated or there's a distraction away from a deeper issue. We're either creating a distraction because there's something we might not want to face, or we think if only we had something different, if only we had that other thing, if only we were different, someone else, our life would be fixed. Our problems would be solved. So maybe in a five, especially a five of wands, we chase that thing. We stay fixated on the surface, that kind of band aid solution that helps us feel better for a while. But then the excitement wanes and we start grasping or reaching for the next thing. We're like fumbling around. Because the wands are about ego and identity, this could be the chase of something that props up the idea of who we are or who we would like to be, what we think will keep us safe. This is a core theme of all the fives. And in the five of wands, it's like, what helps us to belong? What helps us to feel motivated to live? Something has been tangled there. There Maybe there's an affront to who we think we are. Maybe there's manipulation happening or rage or anger, whatever it is, the five presents us with the choice to stay in the distraction, thus keep repeating the pattern on repeat over and over, or to try something different, to step away, to act differently, to turn our attention and energy to somewhere else. On that identity, tip. It made me think of that Ram Das joke of someone who is really in this trance of ego saying, don't you know who I think I am? You know, like we've all met people like that and we've all been like that at times in our lives. That's sometimes what our identity or who we think we are can be a stand-in for, like a hook to hang a coat of self upon, a way to get attention or get our needs met 
or feel important, which is code for belonging. In Five of Wands, we could be confusing attention for love. We could be confusing a fight with intimacy. When we're in the Five of Wands moment, similar to the Five of Swords, I mean, similar to, let's be real, all the cards in the tarot, but mostly the fives and the sevens, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We have to check ourselves. What parts of our identity or who we think we are have been created from defensiveness, from fear? What parts of our identity have we created so that we can look and feel important or we can appear to be one way, one way that we want to be perceived as? There's this Eastern belief that we don't have a personality, that we're this collection of learned behaviors, defenses, patterns. There's these levels and layers of conditions, conditioning that have gathered around our true self, and we can take those off. And whether you resonate with that belief or not, this sentiment applies to the five of wands because the five of wands illustrates this moment when you realize that a conditioning or a certain belief about identity or who you are or what you do is taking over to a point of detriment. Like the defensiveness has defensiveness. Like the control has control. And those are these barriers that stop us from connecting to our true self and become an obstacle for us to authentically connect with other people. We are in a danger zone when our energy, our actions are being driven by the unconscious, the defense mechanisms, the aggression, the need to protect the self at all costs. And it's a very ineffective use of energy. We free up space when we practice dropping the identity, dropping the ego, dropping the attachment to what we do for a living or our pride or appearances or perfectionism. And when we get curious And an easy way to do that is to notice how five of wands other people are and then understand when you get five of wands because you do it too. I had to think of like everyone on the internets, you know, yes, again, it's five of swords. Sure. Maybe the appearance part comes up more with the five of wands or how we curate what we share on the internet as well, but we can see it in conflicts and we can see it in fights, like everyone just yelling at each other. A lot of it is defensiveness and a lot of it is the, don't you know who I think I am? And a lot of it is, I know who you are. We can see this energy escalate and it becomes really damaging. This becomes laws. This becomes the loss of lives. A lot of it stems from people trying to protect their ego, 
trying to protect their identity. Why should my identity be a threat to your identity? The answer is it should not be if I am not hurting anyone or doing anything harmful. So extreme five of wands is policing behavior. It's waiting for other people to mess up so you can take them down. Gentle listener, do not do this. It's a waste of energy. (laughs) Another public service announcement. One day I'll do a wasting energy podcast episode. We can all revisit because we might need it next year. We might need it this year. Okay. Moving right along. One of the reasons why I love this card is that it illustrates that we don't have one identity. We have identities and they're always changing. They're fluid. We have many identities and sometimes they don't always live together as seamlessly as we think they should, but we aren't just one thing. The five of wands can highlight this process of grappling with our various identities in the context of the system. If the system as it is now did not exist, if our survivorship and our belonging were not contingent on particular identities, how would that change things? I was speaking with a friend of mine about how odd it is that cis people always expect and want trans people to disclose. They want to know about their surgeries. I am cisgendered and you don't hear me announcing that often every time I enter a space or introduce myself to people, but there's this weird expectation that trans people or non-binary people do. And then adding onto that, there's the fact that so many cis folks are overly preoccupied about trans people's bodies. And we were talking about how that preoccupation is this distraction, this stand-in for something that cis people aren't looking at in themselves. Is it their gender, what they've chosen? Who tells us about the gender or the genders that we are? What are the implications of choosing those labels? Because what this is really about is about power, which of course the wands are about. It's about being able to compartmentalize. It's about signaling. It's about how we learn how we're going to treat one another based on certain social constructs. And underneath all of that, it's about belonging and it's about wanting to be seen as who we are, not the label that we've been given or even the label that we've chosen. And so the Five of Wands offers us an invitation to break out of those constructs and encounter ourselves authentically and try to do the same for those around us. I always remind myself that my loved ones are different every time I see them. If I don't see a friend for six months, they're different. I'm encountering a person who's been changed, who has different wisdom, who has different ideas. 
it's exciting. It's a reminder that I've changed and I can express myself differently too. If you're creating your identity for you to pleasure yourself, to make sure that all the different facets of how you express yourself feel authentic, if all the things, all the actions you take and the activities you do, if they express your spirit, your spark, all the identities you want to be, the emergence of you, what would that look like? What would you do? How would you utilize your energy in accordance with that? So here we are at time. Once again, we've icebergged. There's so much more to say about the five of wands that I haven't said, but I'm going to leave it here for my patrons. I have a whole bonus episode about what do you do when you get this card or when you feel like you are in a five of wands phase. So look out for that in the next day or two. Did you know I have a Patreon? Did you know the only way I can do this podcast is because of my Patreon? It's true. It is. So thank you so much, patrons. And you'll get that episode very soon. Okay, loves. That's what I've got. That little crumb, a few little crumbs of just some of the teachings I have learned over the years about the five of wands. I hope this is useful. I hope you are staying warm. I hope you spend some time this month chasing those sparks, trying something different, igniting something, collaborating with people in different ways, running your energy or reconnecting to your energy, or exploring who you are or who you want to be. Until next time. Moonbeaming is brought to you by The Moon Studio. We are created and hosted by Sarah Faith Godestiner. Editing is by Caitlin George Parker. And the sound is by Will Owen. Thank you for your support. Witches in the autumn leaves Collecting things for jars Witches whisper to the night There's a witch where